No. Okay. So, for the sake of the recording, verse he 11. Gave, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. That word pastors in the original Greek is the word poimen. Now, in the last three weeks, we've been, taught, we've been studying in John 10.10. 10. And in, I mean, in John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, every time we see the word shepherd in the original Greek, it's the word poimen. And we saw that in John chapter 10, Jesus is using the example of the shepherd to talk about pastors. He talked about what is a false teacher or a false pastor. He talked about what is a, pa a pastor that is a hireling, somebody that only pastors for the wage. Now, I didn't make this clear last week, and I need to make this clear. A pastor should get paid. There's a lot of scriptures that declare that a pastor is worth, that, that any minister is worth his work and that pastors should be paid a wage. I'm not talking, when, I, when it talks about the hireling in John chapter 10, uh, we're not talking about a pastor, a minister should not get a paycheck. What it was talking about is some people will take a pastorship solely for the purpose of a paycheck. And that is a pastor that you don't want. You don't want a pastor that's only doing the job for a paycheck because if they're only doing it for a paycheck, Jesus told us, that when the wolf, the enemy, Satan, devils and demons come after you, your, your hireling pastor will get out of the way and let the wolf devour you. So that's a, that's a problem, pastor. So we understood from our study in John chapter 10 that when, G, that when this word, we saw that we could actually interchange the word shepherd for the word pastor. In fact, let's just look at it real quick. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, just a little bit of review, got to get, kind of got to hook back up to the train a little bit here. John 10, we'll see this here. Let's look at, let's get, let's pick up in verse 11, and every time we see the word shepherd, let's, let's interpret it, the word pastor, let's use the same word they used in Ephesians. So in John 10, verse 11, Jesus said this. I am the good shepherd. Or I am the good pastor. pastor. The good shepherd, or <laughs> pastor. the good pastor, giveth his life for the sheep. For the congregation. But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd. Not the pastor. Whose own sheep are, are not. Okay, let's, whose let's, own the sheep are not. Let's, yeah. let's read 12 this way. Okay. And he that is a, that is a wage-working pastor is not the actual pastor. Whose own congregation are not. Uh, seeing the wolf coming and leaveth the congregation and fleeth, and the wolf catches the congregation and scattereth, the congregation the wage working pastor flees because he is a hireling only doing the job for a wage and he careth not for the congregation now i want you to know that 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 we're, we're substituting 
pasture for shepherd because it is the same word in, in the Greek. It's, it, it, it's the poimen, it's the same exact word. So it could be used either way. Could be, it could be translated either way. Notice verse 14, these again, the words of Jesus. I am the good shepherd and I know my congregation and have known of them. So we can see that the word pastor is interchangeable here. The reason that it's interchangeable is because what is a shepherd? A shepherd is somebody that has, that has the stewardship or the management of a flock. That's what shepherd means. Shepherd means that the, whoever is the shepherd, that, that person has the management, the oversight of the people in his care or, or the sheep in his care. So knowing that and understanding that, and for more details, you've got to go back and listen to the other three uh, sermons because we don't have time to review it. We're going to look at some other scriptures because we're looking at actually all 17 scriptures that have this word poimen in it, and we're going to see some very distinctive characteristics of a true shepherd. Or a pastor. Or a true pastor. Now, in the other services we brought out, so if, if a false teacher, what is a false teacher? It's somebody that came into the office some other way than by the hand of God. A hireling is somebody that comes into office simply for the paycheck. What do you mean they come in by some other way than the hand of God? Well, to be a true pastor, you have to be called by God. Then you have to show yourself responding to the call, in which case then God chooses you. And once you're chosen, you have to respond to God cho choosing you, which means God's going to give you some assignments and you have to go fulfill those assignments. Until such point as you prove yourself to be faithful. And then when God, once you've proven yourself to be faithful, God will appoint you uh, and he'll anoint you and he'll ordain you. Now, there's two types of ordination. There's God's ordaining you, which means that God equips you to do the job that he's called you to. That's what it means to be ordained. It means that you're equipped by God. Now, there's man's ordination, which means that man has ordained you or equipped you to do a certain job. Pastor Mike and I are ordained first by the hand of God. We were actually in a youth we were actually at a youth camp. We were we were youth leaders at that point. We were just leading teenagers to Christ, just working under our pastors. And I distinctly remember uh, Brother Randy in the camp had a prayer line for those that were called that had a call of ministry on their life whether it was teenagers or adults. And I remember going, I said, well, we've got the call of life, call of God on our life, so we're going to go up and get prayed for. He prayed over all the teenagers, and I went up. Michael was ushering. I went up, and he laid hands on me, and he spoke over me, and I walked, and I went, I think he just ordained me by the hand of God. There was a word coming from him that basically said, I mean, he literally said, uh, speaking under the power of God, I've ordained you, I've equipped you for what I've called you to and chosen you to, you know, you, uh, and, and what have you. And I walked away and I went, pretty sure I just got ordained into the ministry. 
Yep. And, and I went back and I sat down and I looked at mom and I said, did what happen? Did, 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 did that just happen? And she said, yeah, that just happened. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, later, years later, and I do mean years later, knowing that that had occurred, I went to go fill out ordination papers through AFI, but I didn't feel qualified in my own right, power, and ability. I'd gone to my pastor, and I talked to him, and he said, oh, yeah, you definitely qualify, and yeah, you definitely need to be ordained. Go ahead and do it. It took me five years to send in my application because I felt so inadequate. But see, God doesn't go by what we think. He goes by what he thinks. And so then I went and I filled out my paperwork and got ordained. Uh, Pastor Mike was several years behind me before he filled out his paperwork. And I think it was like just two, me- two or three meetings later that you were in the prayer line and he had laid hands on you and ordained you into the ministry. See, that's by the hand of God. What is ordained by man? It means you fill out some paperwork, some papers, and you and you become you join an organization that gives you the power to do certain tasks. Without being ordained, we can't marry you or bury you. Without being ordained by man, in the state of North Carolina. Right. 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 So that would still be by the hand of man, not by the hand of God. Yes. Yes. Um, so, so there is a so there is, as she pointed out, that within the church, a church like Pastor Mike and I, we have the ability to if so, if we raise somebody up, we teach somebody, and we train somebody in our church, and we and 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 we know that they are they have a call for ministry on their life and they're fulfilling that call, we have the legal man's ability, we have the legal right to legally, from man's perspective, ordain them into ministry. But not spiritually unless God tells us to. If we do it without God leading us to, we're wrong. Okay? So that's just a little bit of a side journey because I need you to understand ordination. A lot of people don't understand ordination. There's man's ordination and then there's God's ordination. To be a true shepherd, you need to be called by God. You need to be chosen by God. You need to be ordained by God, which means you've got to be given that power, that ability. You've got to be anointed by God, which means his power and anointing, his power is in you and operates through you and you have to be appointed by God which means he has to place you in office that's how that's how they true from a biblical standpoint that's how a true pastor comes into office okay so that's what you want to do now once you are once you are called chosen anointed appointed and ordained by God the Bible gives us some clear guidelines as to what a pastor is supposed to look like and a pastor is supposed to do. Where do those guidelines come from? From the Lord Jesus himself. From the Bible himself itself. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Every time we see shepherd here, it's the word poimen. So Luke chapter 2. Now, 
You're going to look at this and you're going to go, oh, this is the story of Jesus. Jesus' birth. What do you mean we can learn some things in here? Oh, there's a lot. Remember, you have to remember the, the rules of interpretation. Who's talking? Who are they talking to? What is the subject matter? That all matters. What is the time frame? That all matters. And you also have to remember, you have to ask these two questions. What is natural and what is spiritual? In Luke chapter 2, it gives us the very natural details of what occurred around the birth of Jesus. But what is the spiritual side of this? Let's look at some verses and see what we can find out. We're going to start in verse 8. This is where Jesus had been born in the manger. Mary has wrapped him in swaddling clothes um, because there's no room for them in the inn. And now, verse 8, we're going to pick up. Yep. And there were in the same country shepherds, or pastors, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. All right. Here we see two elements of an actual shepherd. Number one, they're abiding in the field. Number one, they're abiding in the field. Which means they're with their flock. They're with their flock. Wherever their flock is, that's where they're at. Right. So a true pastor cannot be on the other side of the country. A true pastor cannot be two, three states away. A true pastor has to be in the field with you. They have to be abiding with you. They have to be able to get to you. No, that's the number one thing. What does a shepherd do? The shepherd watches over. He manages. You cannot watch over and manage a flock if you're not right there. Now, with modern technology, that makes things a little easier. But, you know, we're, we're just a simple phone call away. You know, here in March, we're going to be in Gatlinburg. Then in April, we're going to be over in Dayton. Uh, actually, in April, we're going to take the trip to the Ark. And then a week later, we're going to be in Dayton. So we're going to be away, but the majority of our time is here. And even when we're away, our, phone, our phones are never not with us. Our phones are always with us. We're always right there. We're always available. So one of the first elements of a true pastor is they abide with you. Doesn't mean they live in your house, but it means that they're around you frequently. And they watch over. And let's keep, right. keep going. And lo, the angel of the Lord. No, no, no. We just read abiding in the field. I stopped in the middle of the verse. Oh, all right. Keeping watch over their flock by night. Keeping watch over their flock by night. A true pastor will even be attentive to his, his or her congregation even in the nighttime. Even in the nighttime. There have been plenty of nights that Michael and or I have lost sleep because there was something going on and the spirit woke us and we got up and we prayed for you many times many many times uh michael's been praying and you know, sleeping sawing logs and yet his spirit is praying and I, like he'll wake up and go what's going on what's going on i said honey you're praying in the holy ghost he said oh something's going on and he'll go right back to praying we'll go praying I'll give you this example. This is a really good example from back in Dad Hagen's day. He had two pastors, uh, Mom and they called them Mom and Dad Goodwin, or, or uh, Mr. and Mrs. Goodwin. They were pastors. Uh, they were highly esteemed. That's why they, people called them Mom and Dad Goodwin. And uh, she woke in the middle. Now, they were, they were pastors there in Texas. 
And uh, she woke up in the middle of the night, and she just had an urgency in her spirit. And she was praying. So she woke up. She was laying in the bed, and she was praying in the Holy Ghost. And she got to praying in the Holy Ghost with such severity and earnestly groaning in the spirit that it woke up Mr. Goodwin. And he woke up and he said, honey, what is it? She said, I don't know. My, my, spirit, my spirit is distressed. Pray with me. He said, okay, let's pray. So they went to praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, he drifted off to sleep. You men fall asleep very easily. Those <laughs> uh, ladies, not so much. So he drifted off to sleep. Well, she kept, she could, didn't have a real, this was still bothering her in her spirit. So she kept praying. And again, she got praying with such earnesty that she woke up dad, dad, good one again. He said, honey, what is it? She said, I don't know. He said, well, I drifted off to sleep. It's still bothering you. So let's pray a little while more. So he got, he got in agreement with her and they were praying in the Holy Ghost. He drifted off to sleep again. So finally, third time. Same thing. She got to praying earnestly, groaning in the spirit, woke him up. He said, he said, honey, he said, obviously this thing is important and I can't stay awake, so let's get out of the bed. So he, so they both got out of the bed. They both got on their knees and they started praying. And they prayed for, I mean, it's been going on and off all night. So they had prayed and they had somewhere to be that morning. Or no, they, they had preached that night and had, they had some extra time in the morning and he, so they, after they prayed for like, I don't know, like an hour or more, they still didn't have a release in their spirit. He, and she said, I don't know. I just, she said, all I can pick up is somebody's life is in danger. Somebody's life is in danger. I can't figure, all I can get is somebody's life is in danger. So he said, he said, well, he said, we've been at this for a long time. He said, and, and we're just not getting anywhere. He said, why don't we ask the Holy Ghost, ask the Father, that if there's somebody in our church, because remember, he's the shepherd. They're the, they're the shepherd over their flock. So he said this. He said, why don't we, he said, uh, he, oh, and, and, and she had picked up that it had something to do with somebody in our church. And so she, he said, well, this has something to do with somebody in our church, and we're the shepherds, so why don't we ask the Lord that if we have it, whoever it is, why don't we ask the Lord to, 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 to get the message over to them? To give them a dream or to wake them up, send an angel, something. Get the message to them. So they said, okay. So they prayed, you know, Lord, whatever the situation is, we, we sense that somebody's life's in danger. We sense that it's somebody in our church. Father, whoever it is, we ask that you give them a dream or you send an angel. You speak to them somehow, Lord. You get the message over to them that their life is in danger. And he said they, and then they went to praying in the Holy Ghost for just a few more minutes, and all of a sudden they had a relief, and they were able to go off and go to sleep. Well, the next day, come mid morning, they get a phone call. Urgently, come, come quickly, urgently, come, come quickly, down to where these oil rigs were. And uh, so they went, so they went urgently down there. And when they got there, uh, they they got the story of what had happened. So it's there in the oil fields, and on the rigging, they had this this tower that they had to go up that had a cable in this tower that made the, 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 the wells work. And the cable got hung up. Well, the man that normally works that part of the oil rigging had called out that day. He was sick or something. So this man in, in, their, in the Goodwin's church, the, the foreman said, 
to, to the man that was in the Goodwin's church, said, go up there and fix that cable. And he said, all right. Well, he started to climb the ladder. And he got about 10 or so, 10 to 12 rungs up, and he, and he come down. See, now with that, with that cable being hung up, they're losing money because the oil rig's not working. He got about 12 rungs up and came down. And, he, and the foreman said, what are you doing? What are you doing? He said, I can't go up there. He said, what do you mean you can't go up there? He said, I, he said, I, started, he said, I went over there and I started up that ladder. And, and, and as I got it, he said, as I started up those rungs, he said, he said, I remembered a dream I had last night. He said, you, what do you mean a dream? He said, I saw it in my sleep. He said, I saw in my sleep that so-and-so called out today. And I saw myself climb up that ladder and go up that rigging, and I got to the top, and I did something, and when I did, the cable snapped, and it whirled around, and it cut my head off. He said, no, nah. he said, I can't, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't get up there. I can't get up there. He said, I, I can't do it. He said, I, I've got, I, I, my family, I can't do it. So this other guy, who was also a Christian, he was also a Christian. Now, this is the way Dad Hagen told it. This is the way the good ones told it. This other man was a Christian said, oh, I ain't scared of no dream. I ain't scared of no rigging. I, it, you're crazy. He said, I'll go. He said, get out of my way. I'll go up that rigging. Ain't nothing going to happen to me. So he goes all the way up the rigging. He, he goes all the way up to the top of the rigging. He d- d- break, does something. The cable breaks loose. The cable swings around, cuts the man's head off, and the man's ha- head landed at the feet of the man that had the dream. Now, the man that died was a Christian. Why did he go up? Why did the Lord not remind him? Why did the Lord not warn him? We don't fully know. But what we do know is that the good ones were good shepherds and they were watching over their people at night. Was it God's will that that other Christian man die? Not at all. Not at all. But what was the difference? The man that had the dream had pastors that watched over him by night. I have had situations where something, where the Lord just dropped something in my mind. Or not my mind, but spirit. Just dropped something in my spirit. And I, and I reached out. And I just knew in my spirit, text him late at night. And I'd reach out. I'd say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to say. He's the Holy Spirit, say this. Do this. And I'd say this. And sometimes it was just a simple one line. Whoever, this person you're getting ready to hook, get hooked up with, the, the, don't get hooked up with them. They're danger. Came to pass. I had another time praying in the Holy Ghost, one of my youth. I had another one of my youth. He was, he was, he was facing a situation. He was facing a situation. And, uh, I knew, and the Holy Spirit told me. He said, you tell him the situation that he's fixing to, tell, this is what you tell him. You tell him he's fixing to make a decision and, and if he makes that decision that he's fixing to make, it's going to lead him into destruction. It's going to take him down a road of destruction that he will not easily escape. That particular youth made that decision, and to this day, he is still on the road of destruction, and he is trying desperately to get off of it, but doesn't seem to be able to make the step. Doesn't seem to be able to make the step. There's been other times. I've said, no, I just don't think we need to do that. And it turned out that we didn't need to do that. You know, so 
what do the shepherds do? They watch over your, over your flock by night. The pastor will watch over you even in the nighttime. They'll get up and pray for you even in the nighttime. If you get, we get, I can't tell you how many times we've gotten phone calls in the nighttime. Somebody's sick. Somebody's going to the hospital. Something's happening. This is going on. That's, Pastor, I'm so sorry to bother you at night. I don't care what time it is. What do you need? Yeah. I thought of that one, but I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I got the phone call on the other side of the country. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything, but my cousin has been shot and airlifted. To the, to the, we don't know. You know, watching you over and watching, watching out for you. That's one of the signs. Verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Oh, check this one out. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon who? The shepherds. The shepherds. One of the things, one thing that will happen for a good pastor, a, a, a God-called pastor is God will send angels to aid them. God will send angels to them. Y'all have heard me talk about it, that there's times that I will sense an angel, or actually there's two angels. I'll I'll just sense it all of a sudden. There'll be an angel standing right behind me on this side and an angel standing right behind me on this side. I just suddenly feel their presence. Never seen them. I just sense their presence. And immediately when I sense their presence, I go, Lord, what is it? And sometimes I know immediately what to do, and other times they come with just the anointing, the power of God. Angels will come, and now it also says, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now, this glory of the Lord um, doesn't necessarily mean the glow, although here in the natural there was a glow, but this glory also means um, that the shepherd will immediately know God's opinion, We'll know God's judgment. We'll know God's view immediately. Sometimes when those angels come, they come with a message from heaven. Remember, uh, there was some time back. Remember, I told Pastor Mike, I said, Pastor Mike, there's an angel standing next to you with healing for you. Remember that? Yeah. What, what, I, what he did not say is that at the same time, at the same time that I saw the angel to bring healing to him, he saw a bound demon, hand and foot, stand, uh, trying, to, trying, to, trying to get up or cause problems. And it was between Kathy and Bridget during praise and worship. What was that? Discerning the spirit. Michael said, he said his hand, the, the demon's hand was, he was, was bound and his foot was bound. Opposite. Opposite. They were bound this way, which means he was unable to do whatever he was here to do. He was unable. So there's, there's times that your pastor will receive um, either angelic assistance or they'll receive some, t- some type of knowledge from God to give you aid. All right, let's keep reading. All right. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So here the angels brought a message and, and they said, the angel here, the angel said, behold, I bring to you good tidings. What are good tidings? A message of hope. The angels will bring us messages and notice who was the message for, which shall be to all people, a 
God called, God anointed, God appointed, God ordained pastor will receive messages from heaven for all the congregation. Sometimes it's one-on-one, but most of the time it's for, uh, for every person in the room. Most of the time. These are all, these are all things that will happen for you that, that, that comes upon the shepherd to help the sheep. Let's keep going. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now that was the message, and, and there's a whole other sermon in what was there, but that was, a, that was a good message of hope. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. The angels are pra- they, they're witnessing, the angels moving, the angels speaking. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Now, right there after it says Bethlehem to see this thing, mark that word thing. That word thing right there is the word rhema. So really what the shepherds said is the shepherds said, um, let us go now even into Bethlehem and see this spirit-spoken thing, Jesus, spirit-spoken thing. See what happened. The, the angels brought a message about something that God was doing in the spirit or something spiritual that God was doing in the natural. Just a little side journey. I just wanted you to see that. All right. Verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph. And the babe lying in a manger. Now, when it says that the shepherds responded, they came with haste, this means that your shepherd or your pastor responds very quickly. But it's not just quickly. Uh, What this means is the shepherd or the pastor is ever ever ready. They've studied. Um, They're ever, they're studied. They're ever, ever ready. They're They're diligent earnestly desiring (laughs) to respond vigilant would be another word too diligent they're vigilant in other words your pastor is always on your pastor is always on they've studied the word they know the word they're they're always on when you hit a wall when you hit a storm when you hit something your pastor is ready to go they're ready to respond they're ready to lead you in, into victory. That's, that's what it means that it says that they, that they, um, that it said, and they came with haste. They were ready to respond. Now, let's read just a little bit more because I want you to see something about how the people responded because people respond one of two ways to their shepherd. Let's read right here. It'll teach us. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And keep reading a little bit more. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now, verse 17. And when they had seen it, when the shepherds, when the pastors got revelation of Jesus laying in the manger, because how much you know, Jesus laying in the manger told the shepherds he's going to be sacrificed. Because you have to understand 
that when they laid Jesus in the manger, it was not just any old manger. When they laid Jesus in the manger, this was the place that they laid the lambs that were sacrificed yearly for the sins of the people. So when they saw Jesus wrapped up like a baby lamb laying in the manger, they understood God was saying, this, this child will be sacrificed like these little lambs. When those shepherds got the revelation of what they saw, look at what it says, and when they had seen it, when they had gotten the revelation, they made it known abroad the sayings which was told concerning the children. Your pastor, a God-called, God-anointed, God-appointed, God-ordained pastor, when they get a revelation from the word, they'll make it known unto you. They'll make it known unto you. They'll teach you and show you truth in the word that you won't find uh, any other way. Why? Because they're gifted in getting these revelations. Now, look at verse 18. It says, And all they that heard it, wondered at the things which were told on to the shepherds. When the people heard what the shepherds had to say, they thought on it mentally. They thought on it mentally. They received it mentally, and they thought on it mentally. Look at what Mary did, verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them where? In her heart. In her heart. Mary meditated on the revelation that the shepherds brought her. Mary meditated on the message of the angels brought to her by the shepherds. Mary got it down into her heart. So Mary knew what was going to happen to her son. We love that song, Mary, Did You Know, because it stops, it makes us stop and think. But I guarantee you, Mary knew. Because Mary had pondered it. Mary had kept it in her heart. But see, most people, they go, oh, that's just a pastor. They're just talking out of their head. They're talking out of head knowledge. They happen to know that I'm going through that, and they're just trying to control me. See, that's how most people respond to the pastor. But no, 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 no. If you understand that you have a God-called, God-anointed, God-appointed, God-ordained, God-chosen pastor, you will go, hmm, my pastor hears from heaven. Maybe I ought to talk. Maybe I ought to take what they're talking to me about. Maybe I ought to take that a little more seriously. Maybe I ought to go talk to God about it. Maybe I ought to kind of ponder these things in my heart. Maybe I ought to meditate on these things. Now, when I say meditate, I don't mean oh. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you run it over and over. You talk it out. You take it to the Lord in prayer. Say, Lord, my pastor, these shepherds said that that baby was laying in the manger where the sacrificial sheep lay. They were saying that they thought that that meant that that baby at some point was going to be sacrificed like the sheep are sacrificed. Lord, those sheep, those sheep, those baby sheep, Father, those little lambs, they grow into full adulthood before they're sacrificed. Does that mean that baby's going to grow into full adulthood? Well, according to our Jewish rule, full adulthood isn't until the age of 30. Lord, maybe I need to keep an eye on this, on this, on this child. But do you know that most people didn't pay any attention to what happened to Jesus after he left Bethlehem? Remember, most people, they left Bethlehem 
when he was around the age of two and went to Egypt. Remember, he was in Egypt until they moved him to to Nazareth, and then he came out out of Nazarene. Remember? By the time he got to Nazareth, most people didn't have a clue who he was. Why? Because they just thought about it in their head. They didn't get it in their heart. They didn't get the revelation. Many, many sheep miss the revelation that their shepherds bring to them because all they do is think about it in their head. They don't ponder it in their heart. Many people don't. So how do we need to respond to what our shepherd brings? So what we need to do is we need to pay, we need to understand that our shepherd is not just an ordinary Christian, but they've got some special insight that, 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 that you don't have because of the calling and anointing on their life. Now, let's go to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We're going to see a few things here. Mark 8. Give us a holler when you get there. And amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Made it something. Mark 6. Very good. 634 is where we want to be. We're just going to look at one verse right here. All right. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. All right. So here we see that Jesus, the good shepherd, when he came out and he saw many people, he was moved with compassion towards them. A true pastor will have the God kind of compassion for you. A true pastor will have compassion for you like nobody else you've ever met. They'll have true compassion for you. Why? Because that's an earmark of a true shepherd. Is there a person of, compa- of God's compassion? Now, how do you know he has compa- that shepherd has compassion? Check this out. Because they were a sheep having no shepherd. He said, they don't have a shepherd. Let me be their shepherd. So an earmark of a shepherd is that compassion. And look at what he did. Because he saw that they didn't have a shepherd. He began to do what? Teach. He began to teach them one thing. Nope, many things. Many things. So here Jesus is, and he sees these people. He has compassion with them. And that word teach actually means he began to have a discourse. In other words, he began to give a lecture. And actually, another way to say it is Jesus began to give a sermon. That's what the word teach means, sermon. To give a sermon, to give a discourse, to begin to instruct a sermon specifically for the purpose of instruction. For the purpose of instruction. A sermon that, go, that makes you go, woo, and gives you warm and fuzzies, but doesn't actually teach you anything, is not a God-given sermon. It's not. It's not. This word teach is the word, let me get, let me get this to you. This word teach, for those of you taking note, is in the original Greek is didasko, D-I-D-A-S, the emphasis on the A-S, K-O, K-O. It's the, this word is the base of the word teacher out of uh, Ephesians 4 where we started. Teacher is D-I-D-A-S-K-A. L-O-S. 
This word uh, shepherd literally means that the shepherd will teach you out of compassion. He will hold a discourse. He'll give a sermon in order to instruct and to impart instruction, to explain or expound a thing. Our young people get frustrated with me all the time because they'll begin to talk to me about something. And then I, and immediately, what's the first thing I do, young people? <laughs> he said, did you check your spirit? What's the first thing I do? I begin to instruct you. I begin to teach you. I begin to correct you. I begin to teach you how to. I begin to instruct you on how to handle your situation. What is that? That's the earmark of a pastor. That's what they do. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came in. He saw these people being scattered, being thrown out in front of the wolf, and he begins to tell them how to get out of the wolf's path. He begins to instruct them on how to get out of the devil's territory. He begins to instruct them on how to live for God. That's exactly what he does. It's one of the earmarks of a pastor is they will teach you. They will teach you. Now, with that said, we're right here in Mark 6. Let's go to Mark 14. Oh, my goodness. You need to put on your seatbelts for this. Mark 14. Now, Mark 14, verse 27 through 30, for those taking notes, we're going to look at verses 27 through 30. In your notes, write down Matthew 26. We're in Mark 14, 27. And we're going to go, but, but write down in your notes, Matthew 26, verse 31 through 34. Mark 14, 27 through 30, and Matthew 26, 31 through 34 are almost identical word for word. Almost word for word. So those scriptures, again, are Mark 14, 27 through 30. Those are the ones we're going to look at. Matthew 26, 31 through 34. Let's look right here in Mark 14, verse 27. And now, let me tell you when this is. Sorry, let me tell you when this is. This is taking place at the Passover dinner with the disciples. He's, ha- he's, he's talked to the disciples. He, they've taken communion. He said, this is the, he said, this bread is my body. This, 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 juice is, uh, this juice is my blood. Those that eat and drink of it, you, you know, he, he gave that whole discourse. In verse 26, it says, and when they sang... A, song, a hymn or a psalm. They went out into the Mount of Olives. So as they were walking, this is what Jesus said. Now let's pick up in verse 27. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. Oh, Lord Jesus. Let's read verse 28. It's super short. But after that I am risen, I will go before you unto Galilee. All right. So, first point. All of you shall be offended by me this night. 100% guaranteed without question. Pastor Mike and I, 100% guaranteed, will offend you at some point. We will 100%, at some point, 100%, without doubt, we will offend you. 
We will hurt your feelings. We will get under your skin. We will annoy you. Not on purpose. But. <laughs> it will happen. If Jesus offended, look at what it said. Go back up a verse on the screen. Go to 27 for me. And Jesus said unto them, he's walking with his 12 disciples. He's already told Judas, you're going to offend. You're, Judas, you're going you're gonna to betray me. He's already told them that. So the 11 are with him. And he said, all of you, all 11 of you shall be offended because of me. Which means, if the good shepherd will offend you, pay attention. Jesus, the good shepherd, will offend you at some point. The word of God will offend you at some point because Jesus is the word. What does it mean to be offended? It means you will disagree. It means it will hurt your feelings. It means you won't like what he has to say. It'll step on your toes. It's going to step on your toes. <laughs> You're going you're gonna to you're gonna say, well, I know the proper response is, ouch, hallelujah, but honestly, how dare you meddle in my business, shepherd? It will happen. You wanna, yeah, that's right, shepherd. Who are you? Yeah, it, it will happen. But then look at, what it, look at what he said. He said, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd. That's God speaking. God said, I will smite the shepherd. What does smite mean? It means that God himself will hit gently. Mm-mm. No, it means he's going to knock him down. One of, <laughs> one of, one of them means he's going to spank you hard. Another definition of, of smite means he's going to correct you gently. See, when people get corrected, they don't like it. It offends them. And Jesus said, y'all are all going to get corrected. See, what you have to understand about the pastorship, now talking about the pastorship of the church, the Father God corrects the pastor before he ever corrects the congregation. Before he ever corrects the congregation. Which means when Pastor Mike and I are studying the Word, we're getting ourselves stepped on all over the place. We're getting smited. There's been plenty of times that Pastor Mike and I have been studying the Word and we've ended up in tears of repentance. Oh, Father, forgive us. Oh, we're so... There's been times we've said, that can't be what the Word says because if, if that's what the Word says, we don't like it. We don't... And then we get in line. What happened? We got smited. We got smited. The pastor would get smited first. And then... When the pastor gives the message, because now the pastor has the revelation, because remember we just saw the pastor, what did it say? The shepherd will give you the revelation that he received from the Lord. Remember? We saw that. So when the pastor is getting smited privately, the Lord says, okay, now that you've dealt with it, go smite the people. Go correct the people. Go handle the people. So now, guess what happens when we come and correct you? We get corrected all over again. We get corrected a second time. We get corrected when we study it, and we get corrected when we declare it. And we know that sometimes we're going to bring a word that you're not going to like. Listen, if you've got active sin in your life and the Lord has us talk about your sin, we know it's going to get your flesh in a dander. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> or sorry, people, not Lord. But notice what it says. And when, and, and when the offense comes, what's going to happen to the sheep? They're going to be scattered. They're going to scatter. We see it all the time. 
People leave churches all the time because their pastor smited them at the word of the Lord. Their pastor corrected them and they got offended and they left. Happens all the time. But look at verse 28. Because there's good news in verse 28. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. So when the Lord brings correction to your pastor... And your pastor's feeling down, and your pastor's feeling low, and your pastor doesn't like it. Your pastor will actually get up and move forward with God and come out of the storm before you will. Why? Because the shepherd is always leading. The shepherd is always leading. An earmark of a good shepherd is the shepherd, when they get corrected, will take the correction and move forward and teach you how to move forward through the storm also. It's another sign of a good shepherd. Oh, but trust me. And I have these young ones. I love these young ones. I love it when young teenagers come into youth. I love it when they they come out of children's church. and Oh, Miss Robbie, Miss Robbie, we love you so much. Oh, we love you, we love you. Oh, we love you. And I tell them, just remember this day. And they go, what? I said, the day will come when when I'll offend you. You'll never offend me. Look at what Peter said. Go on to the next verse. (laughs) But Peter said unto him, although all shall be offended, yet not I. I'm not going to be offended at you, pastor. It's not going to happen. Look at what Jesus told him. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter was all, ah, Jesus, you can't offend me. Ain't nothing. Jesus said, oh, you're going to get offended not once, not twice, but three times. Three times. Three times. Three times. Which, honestly, if if I, if I put myself you. in Peter's shoes, that probably right there would have offended me. <laughs> she said, Brianna's so cute. She said, I don't think I've ever gotten offended you at three times in one time. How many, how many times have you had said to me in a single conversation, can we just stop now? Whatever. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Go back and rethink that. Come on. No, come on. He said, no, trust me. I'm a, I, I was saying, I love these young people because they say, Pastor or Miss Robbie, you'll never upset me. You'll, I can't ever. I wouldn't ever. I can't imagine ever being upset with you. And I tell them, I love you. Remember this moment. Remember this moment because the day will come when I'm going to correct you and you're not going to like it. Just remember I'm going to cash in those words right there. (laughs) Just remember I'm going to cash in on those words. (laughs) Right? 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 All right. Oh, glory to God. Where are we going? Nope, that's three. We've got to pack up page four. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, some earmarks of a good pastor. Matthew 9, glory to God. We've seen this already, but we'll look at it. It's good to review it because we see something here. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. 9, 36. Glory to God. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. This is the importance of having a shepherd, a pastor in your life. Jesus saw the multitude, and he was moved with compassion because they fainted. 
If you do not have a pastor in your life, you will faint in your Christian walk. The word says that many in the last day will depart from the faith. Many will be seduced by doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. Talking about Christians that are in the walk. Why? Because many Christians today believe the doctrine of the devil that you don't need a pastor. You don't need a pastor. Well, Jesus said these people don't have a pastor and they're fainting. What does it mean to faint? To, what it means to faint is you will actually, um, it means that you will grow weak, you will become exhausted, uh, you will lose your hope and your courage, um, uh, you will become despondent. You'll lose hope, you'll lose courage, you'll lose faith in God if you don't have a pastor to help encourage you and keep you and hold you in the storms. Now, when I was in the military, when we went through basic training and stuff, they, they, they taught us to stand at attention a lot and a lot, did a lot of parading and a lot of formations and stuff. And you had to stand there for hours and hours and hours. If they, and they teach you. They say, if you, lock your le- if you lock your knees, you're going to pass out. Yeah. Guarantee it. Now, what is, what is, what is the one thing that, that God wants us to do? against the devil he wants us to stand so when we are fainting we're not standing that's where that's what he's talking about there he's when we fall out we're no longer we're no longer standing against the devil and we become scattered yep all right now, I'm going to let you look this verse up. It's in Matthew because I wrote with a different pen and I overwrote my scripture and I can't figure out what scripture it is. So look this scripture up for me. But I want to talk to you what, about the shepherd time? versus the goat. The shepherd, or the sheep versus the goat. What am I looking for? Um, look up sheep and goat in the same verse. Okay. All right. I want to talk to you about the difference between sheep and goats. I'm going to compare some sheep and goats. I'm going to ask you a uh, do not answer these questions out loud. Let me come over here. Do not, do not answer these questions out loud. Answer these in your head. Okay. So here's the question. Are you a sheep or a goat? Are you a sheep or are you a goat? Okay. Do, do, not, do not answer these out loud. He's going to find the verse for us. In this verse... Is this going to be in the New Testament? Because there's a whole lot in Genesis. It's in, it's in the book of Matthew. Okay. I know, I know. Never mind. I know exactly where it is. I'm going to tell you exactly where to go. Go to Matthew. I've got 25, 32, and 33. Hold on. I can tell you exactly where we're going. I've already, I already just found where is it. it. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. <laughs> Uh, and 33. Oh, Mari's got it too. And 33. Okay. Matthew, let's look at this verse. Matthew 25, verse 31. Now, 31. In, in, in order to, following the laws of, listen, following the laws of interpretation, in order to find out the subject matter and who Jesus is talking to, you have to go back to uh, chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus That's is talking to 
uh, he's actually in the temple. He's talking to Jews. And, he, and, and, and then he's talking to his disciples. They said, tell us when the end of the world is going to come. So all through chapter 24, Jesus is talking about the times of sorrows. He's talking about how this thing is going to wrap up and end. He says, he says, in, he says that there's going to be many false Jesuses that are going to come. He says there's going to be a lot of false prophets. There's going to be false prophets that even do signs, wonders, and miracles, and that they can even deceive God's very elect. He can even deceive these false prophets will even deceive ministers in these last days. This is the time we're living in. And he continues to have this conversation all the way through 24, all the way through 25. He's talking about the end days. He's talking about, he, he begins to talk about the time of sorrows, which is the time we live in. Then he talks about the great time of tribulation, which is when the church is called out. Then he's to now he's talking about at the end of the tribulation when the judgment seats are occurring. And this is what he's talking about at the end of the, at the judgment time, at the time of judgment. Verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Keep going. And before him shall be gathered all nations. This is how we know. This is not at the calling of the way of the church. This is not during the seven years of tribulation. This is not during the millennial reign of Christ. This is at the end of the end of the end. He's sitting on his throne and everybody's fixing to go before the judgment seat. And before him shall be gathered all nations. That's all the people. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Okay. So, what this tells us about the shepherd is the shepherd will leave, will allow his congregation of sheep to have goats mingled in. What does that mean for the present day church? That means in a congregation of sheep, congregation of sheep, in and amongst the sheep, there's going to be some goats. And that shepherd is not going to do anything about the goat, but continue to instruct the goat. And hope and pray and pray and pray and pray that the goat will be transformed into a sheep at the preaching of the word. So, don't answer these things out loud. Let me give you some characteristics of goats and sheep. Why does this matter? Because in verse 33, he said, Jesus said... And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, some of the stuff on the goat side you're going to identify with. Oh, yeah. I do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You may be a sheep in one area and a goat in another. If you're a goat in one area, you need to work on that area. Because look at what he said. He said, at the, at the judgment seat, Jesus is going to separate the sheep from the goats, and the sheep are going to the right hand. That's the good place. That means you're going to the judgment seat of Christ. You're getting your reward. You want that. You do not want to be a goat. You do not want to be on the left hand because the goats are going into the region of the damned. You don't want to do that. You don't want to be a goat. We all have goat-like things we can work on. Yeah, so don't get too offended. All right, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this could be where I offend you, right here. The sheep, uh, the sheep versus the goat. A sh- uh, 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 the shepherd keeps the sheep and the goats all the way to the end. 
A sheep tend to be outgoing and socially confident. Sheep tend to be outgoing and socially confident. Goats tend to feel more comfortable focusing on their inner thoughts and ideas than what's happening externally or spiritually. Don't answer, don't answer, don't answer. I told you. Don't answer. The goat tends to feel more comfortable focusing on their own inner thoughts and ideas rather than what is happening spiritually. Goat or sheep are very conservative. Sheep are conservative. Goats are intellectual intellectual skepticism. Or have intellectual skepticism. They're skeptics. Which, they're skeptics, which basically says what that means is God. You read the word and you go, mm, God, is that true? Well, what if you like to play the what if game? Well, what I mean, God, I see that your word says that if I don't follow you, that the curse is going to come after me. But is the curse really that bad? That's being a skeptic, Lord. I see in your word that I'm not supposed to be, you know, I'm not supposed to have relations outside of outside of an actual marriage. But what if I'm married to them in my heart? See, you're being, you're being, you're, 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 you're my, kind my, of playing my favorite, with the word. My favorite one is, I, I know that sin is it, it, doing wrong when you know to do right. So if I don't know that it's wrong, then it's okay, right? Intellectual so if I don't, if, so if I don't open the book and look, then I don't know for sure if it's wrong. So I can do whatever I want. I'm not accountable if I don't know it. So if I don't look, I don't know. Intellectual skepticism. Goat. Don't be a goat. Be on the conservative side. God said that that would take me to hell. I think I'm just going to play it safe. Be a sheep, not a goat. All right, here we go. Sheep have a flock mentality. Sheep love to follow the leader. Sheep follow the leader. Wherever the leader goes, that's where I go. Goats are curious and independent. Goats like to go where they don't belong. Goats are like, I'm just, I just want to see what's over there. Goats are just like, no, 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 I, yeah, I see you, leader. I'll be with you in a little while. I'll be back later. They're independent. You know, they, did, they didn't give me the nickname Zig, Zigzag for nothing. Right? <laughs> Might be a goat. Just saying. All right. Sheep like to graze on grass. They like easy-to-eat food. They, they, they're just very easy. They like to graze. Goats are, intimate, are intermittent grazers. In other words, they'll eat the grass. They'll eat the easy stuff that's easy to eat. But then they're going to go eat, gosh, who knows what, cans, wood. Who knows what they're going to eat? They're going to try everything. They're going to try everything. Yeah. They eat cardboard. That's that's why it's hard to keep goats around here because there are plants in the woods that are poisonous. That, that'll them. kill them. <laughs> sheep, sheep. Give if a sheep has a choice, sheep's going to eat grass. Goats given a choice, they're going to taste everything, whether it's good for them or not. Think about this from a spiritual standpoint. I don't know if that's okay or not. Well, I'm going to go ahead and partake in it. We'll find out. If how, do you, how do you know unless you try it, right? How do you know unless you try it? That's a goat. That's a goat. That's a goat. Don't be a goat. Come on now. Let's not be a goat. All right. 
Sheep are easy to contain or fence. Goats are hard to contain. How much do you know? Have you have you ever seen people that have goats? You know they've got slot. They got all kinds of stuff for the goats to do what? To climb on. Because if they don't have stuff to entertain them within the pen, they will climb out of the pen. Yeah, I've got I've, I've got friends I've got friends that are goat keepers, and they say uh, you'll you'll get a thirty dollar goat and you'll put up a five thousand dollar fence and they'll still get out. <laughs> No, that's not how it works. Okay. Why is it? So with God, what does this have to do spiritually? With God, there's borders and boundaries. So when God says, this is your border and this is your boundary, if you're a sheep, you'll stay within that border and within that boundary. If a goat comes to God, God's going to say, here's the boundaries, and goat's going to go, yeah, because they're the skeptic. Yeah, I don't think it's as bad out there as you think it is. Let me climb out of the fence. And go check it out. Goat. Don't be a goat. Don't be a goat. All right. Uh, Sheep are aloof, reserved. Um, They're they're very reserved. They're very... Gregarious. Gregarious. I didn't look that word up. I think that's that word. It is. I didn't look that one up, so I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) You want to look up gregarious now that you said it? Yeah, I'm not sure what that one means either. Uh, so sheep are aloof and reserved. In other words, a sheep, a biblical sheep, a, 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 somebody that is a sheep will not just jump into whatever anybody says. A sheep will say, a sheep will say this. If somebody comes and says something silly to you about the Bible, well, God's okay with it. Where's that in the Bible? Where's the scripture? A sheep will say, mm, can you show that to me in the word? Can you show it to me in the word where it's a, can you show it to me in the word where what you're telling me is okay with God is, is okay with God? Can you show me in the word where I don't have to repent anymore? Will you show me in the word where, where Jesus paid the price for everything and I have no responsibility in, in, in the word anymore, in, in the things of God anymore? See, that's a sheep. I got gregarious. Uh, what does it mean? Okay, so it says, it gives a couple of different definitions. So if it's a person, it says the person is fond of company or sociable. Uh, Of animals, it says living in flocks or loosely organized communities. So the the sheep like the flock. That's it. Sheep like to be in a group. How much do you know there's safety in a group of Christians? If the devil can get you off and get you isolated, you're in trouble. Um, the, The goat is curious and independent. How much you know curiosity killed the cat? Now, it was not the cat's curiosity that killed it. Do you know this? Do you know why that saying is? Nobody knows. Everybody's looking at me. The reason that, the, that, we, the reason that that saying exists, curiosity killed the cat, is because there was some scientist that wanted to know some things about cats, and so he did an autopsy on a cat to find out some things about the cat. See, curiosity is fine when it's kept in, in, I'm trying to be as nice as I can. Some of y'all looking at me. He killed the cat so he could do the autopsy. That's what it means when a curiosity killed the cat. It means they were so curious about the cat that they killed it so they could find out some things about it. Man's curiosity. Man's curiosity will lead you to death. They also talk about how 
cats are very curious too, and they, they get into trouble a lot. They they do do that. They do do that. But that's not where that where that saying came from. Um, curiosity and independence will because see what happens with curiosity and independence is is the goat says, well, I don't need I don't need any. How many times do y'all see people's posting? Somebody's goat is out. Somebody's goat, I just saw one just recently. Somebody's goat's running down the four lane. How much you know that goat's curiosity and independence put that goat in dangerous territory? How many, I mean, come on. This is characteristics of goats. Sheep, on the other hand, they're very reserved. They stay with the flock. They, they're, they're aloof. They're like, no, nah, I don't know if I want to play with that or not. Thanks. Most of the time you can leave the gate open and the sheep will stay the in sheep the will stay. field. They won't, go, they won't come out. <laughs> They're like, I'm good. Sheep, now check this out. Sheep actually adapt to climate better. Sheep are actually more adaptive to change than goats. Goats will get sick. Sheep, on the other hand, sheep know that with God, your situation can change in an instant. With God, your situation can change in an instant. So you have to be you have to be able to change with God. God is not afraid of change. God can take you from the poorhouse to the palace suddenly. God can take you from from your deathbed to glorious living instantly. Those types of changes don't shock the sheep, but those types of changes will actually kill a goat. Will actually kill a goat. So uh, so we don't want to be goats. We want to be sheep. Can y'all handle two more short scriptures? Just two more. All right. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Y'all didn't seem real excited about these two verses, but we're going to finish these two verses anyways. Glad you're willing to hear from the Holy Ghost. 13. Hebrews 13. If you're in the T's, just keep going. Hebrews 13, mm-hmm. verse 20 and 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. All right, now pay attention to this. Now God, the God of peace, the Father, Brought again from the dead, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who raised Jesus from the dead? God did. God did. He told the Holy Ghost, go get him. The Holy Ghost went. Who, and, what did, and what did God have to say about the Lord Jesus? The great shepherd of the sheep. The Father God didn't call Jesus good shepherd. The Father God called Jesus the great shepherd. Great shepherd. He said he's the great shepherd of the sheep, talking about all of us. And why is he the great shepherd? Because he poured out his blood through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Verse 21, this is the job of the shepherd. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. So the job of the pastor, the shepherd, is to make you perfect in every good work. Nobody's perfect. Don't freak out. It means to make you mature, grown up. The job of the pastor is to help you grow up in your Christian walk. That's the job of Jesus. 
That's the job of the local pastor, to make you grown up or mature in every good work, not just in some areas, but in every area. You might be really good at uh, being faithful, sticking to your word, doing what you say, showing up every time the doors are open. You might be really good at being faithful, but you might also be really bad at walking in love. What's the pastor's job? To, be, to help you maintain your faithfulness, but to help you grow in walking in love. Maybe you're good at faithfulness, bad at love, but you're only okay in your kindness. You've got to work on your kindness. Maybe you're good, at, you're, you're good at faithful, bad at love, good at kindness. Oh, my goodness. But your self-control needs some work. See, the job of the pastor is to help you grow in every area, every area. Maybe you do okay in most areas, uh, but you have a lion problem. Most people do have a lion problem. Most people do. Number one, we've been taught that little lies aren't lies in our society. We've been taught in our society that a white lie is a good lie. But that doesn't agree with the word of God. The Word of God says, I don't care if, if it's not 100% the truth, it's a lie. With God, it's black and white. A lie is a lie. A lie is a lie. Now, I, in this verse 21, it says, make you perfect in every good work. Uh, Mature. I, I can't make anybody be anything except no. for myself. But it's our job now, to help you it's, get there. It's my job to help you and to lead you and guide you. Um, that's a shepherd leads his sheep. That's right. They follow. That's right. But I can't force you. And if you and if you refuse to go the way the shepherd leads, you're a goat, not a sheep. Right. Make you perfect in every good work to do what? His will. Now that's interesting because most Christians will have you believe that you can't know the will of God. But yet the job of the pastor is to know how to lead you in God's will. will. So apparently we can know the will of God. To lead you into the will of God. Um, working in, and notice it says to do his will, working in you that is well-pleasing in his sight. We're, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to teach you how to be led by the Spirit. That's Jesus working in you. That's the Father working in you. That's the Holy Ghost working in you to do God's good work. That's what we're supposed to do. He said... Um, in the sight through Jesus Christ. How much you know everything we do is in and through by Jesus Christ. Every, this is why the in hymns are so important. Now, if you ask me, go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Is that where we're finishing up? That's our last one? Well, I've, I, I said yes, but no. <laughs> I didn't count this one. <laughs> I should have, but I didn't. Ephesians 4. Now, we saw this, verse 11, and he gave some apostles, same prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. Come on. Verse 12. Come on. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. How long do we keep this job up? How long does the pastor stay in play? Read verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. We've just come full circle. 
Hebrews said, the shepherd is supposed to perfect you in the work of Christ. Jesus gave you the pastor to perfect you in the work of Christ. Now, one last verse. So we can see that shepherd is, uh, is, um, can be used as pastor. In other places it is used as pastor. But there is another word in the scriptures that actually also speaks about the pastor. Go to 1 Peter. This is our last verse. 1 Peter. 1 Peter. This tells us about the shepherd, and it also points us to another word that means pastor that we see a lot in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse... Um, let's go to verse... 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered. So notice he said, for even unto, uh, unto, here unto you were called. Each and every Christian was called. Here's the purpose. Let's read. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Colon, he's going to give us some steps here. Who did, not, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Now check that out. There, he didn't do any sin, but he also didn't speak. Sometimes what we say is not sin, but it's guile. It's just wrong talking. Deception. Deception, which is sin. But there is a slight difference between sin and wrong talking. Jesus never spoke wrongly, and he never committed any sin. Uh, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was... Uh, reviled, reviled not again. When people came against him, he didn't go against them. We saw that in the love walk. When he suffered, he threatened not. He didn't come against people when people came against him. But committed himself to him that judges righteously. He said, Lord, he said, you see what they're doing? He left it in the Lord's hand. This sounds an awful lot like walking in love, doesn't it? Sounds an awful lot like what we've been teaching on love. Let's keep going. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed for ye were as sheep going astray now before we came to christ before we came to christ we were all sheep going the wrong way we were all sheep headed to the road to destruction we were all that way but look at what he said but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Notice he said, but now you've returned to the shepherd, which is who? Jesus. Jesus. And the bishop of your souls. What is your souls? Your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Jesus is the shepherd of your spirit. The bishop is the shepherd of your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. The bishop is your pastor. Another word in the scripture for pastor is bishop. Bishop. So we'll begin to look at bishop and see some other things about the pastorship in the coming weeks. Now, just a little word of encouragement for some of y'all, because I know some of y'all gotten hung up on this whole goat thing. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm so a goat, I'm so a goat. You know, I identify with a whole lot of those things in there that they're describing a goat in but we all 
We all have goat issues. We all start out as goats. Come on. And and as as Christians, we're be, we're 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 moving from being a goat to being a sheep. Come That's on. part of the perfection. That's part of getting perfected of maturing is you become less goat-like and more sheep-like. And that's what your pastor is here to help you do. And curiosity is not a bad thing. As long as you do it within the bounds of the Word of God. Right. As long as it's within the bounds of the Word of God. Be curious about spiritual things. Don't be curious about sinful things. Derek, if you'll come tonight and uh, usher by faith, getting better and better. He's here without the walker. He's been doing good. So proud of him. Walking better and better. He might step a little slowly, but he gets there. He gets the job done. He's doing pretty good. He's doing good. You want to bless the tithe and the offering. Lord, we thank you for this word that you've given us tonight. We thank you that you're teaching us to become more like sheep and less like goats. And Lord, we, we thank you for for helping us to become your disciples and, and to follow you, uh, even when we're offended. Lord, because, uh, you know, offense is going to come. It's going to come, but we need to take the correction, we need to take the learning, and we need to apply it and, and be, be more, just be better. <laughs> Thank you, Father. But Lord, we just we we thank you that for your Son and all that He did for us. We thank you that He is our great Shepherd. He is He is our Bishop. He is our Teacher. He is our Lord and Savior. We just thank you that you've you've made this plan for us. And Lord, we we are, we are so grateful, uh, and we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give unto your kingdom uh, generously and with a grateful heart. Lord, we ask that you bless this offering that it go further than we could ever ask hope or thank towards the doing of your work and lord we ask that you you bless us uh in return so that we can become a bigger blessing and we know that you are faithful to and just to do so lord and that you will pour us out a blessing and we thank you for that thank you lord father we thank you for this word father we thank you for greater wisdom greater knowledge and greater understanding of the role of the pastor Father, we recognize the gifts that Jesus gave us. We recognize the gift of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor-teacher, Lord. And, Father, we thank you for bringing illumination, understanding to not only our minds, but, Father, more importantly, to our spirits. And, Father, we thank you. We give you honor. We give you glory. Satan, take your grubby hands off of everybody's prosperity. Release it and let it go. Angels, go get the prosperity. Cause it to come in every area of life. And, Father, we thank you that your word is true and ever working. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Derek, you can serve the people. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. If you don't have a seed to sow, believe God for seed because we want you to have seed so that you can increase. Glory.